Okay. Now that that's done with, <laughs> let me let me, let me like get the let out real quick because I think like uh, Jorge, your, your point is is very well taken, and so I think that it gives us a good frame to answer this question, right? Which because mm. uh, I think we're all in agreement here, and Mel is also in agreement that the pathway to changing the world the way that we need it to be changed, to addressing the systemic ills that are literally putting the survival of our civilization, our species, and our shared planet at hazard right now. Like the 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 obstacles that we face seem indomitable and enormous. But the only way that we are actually going to change things is through rank and file collective action right through the working class um, across this country and around the world rising up and smashing shit and and taking things over and ripping power away from the corporate capitalist vampires who are destroying everything we know and hold dear that not to sugarcoat anything that is what we are up against right now right and so the question is if you know if electoral you know, elected officials are part of that strategy. If they play a role somehow in that, the question is, what are they doing to help us get there? Right. You know, like, are they agitating the rank and file? Are they making it easier for people to organize? Are they mm -hmm. making it harder and, and more arduous and, and have stiffer penalties when companies mm -hmm. and bosses violate workers rights? Right. There are a lot of other things that we should be connecting the, the the DSA endorsed candidates and everyone in Congress and every you know every elected official we should not just be looking only at what they've done on the railroads but connect that to the larger labor struggle in this country have mm -hmm. any of them said shit about the striking coal miners at Warren Met Coal they've had two years to do it. And I can tell you, like, uh, you know, not just uh, Kim Kelly, um, but the Valley Labor Report and the folks who have actually been down there talking to those coal miners, they feel abandoned by both parties. Right. And the ones who have actually been there for them most of the time is like the Birmingham DSA. Right. Or like, you know, their local church. Right. It's it's the people that they know, the people around them who are actually showing up for them and little independent outlets like us who are actually covering their struggle. But everyone else has largely abandoned them because it's an unpopular or it's a it's a it's a thorny issue. They're unionists, mm -hmm. but they're in the South. It's deep mm -hmm. red. A lot of them are like Trump voters. It's coal and like climate change. So people don't like coal, even though it's metallurgical coal and not, you know, like the other type of coal. Mm -hmm. So basically, everyone's just like, I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to leave mm -hmm. these workers and their families out to dry for two years while a Wall Street owned uh, like like the the uh, coal company Warrior mm -hmm. Met Coal. Their biggest investor is fucking BlackRock in New York. Jesus Christ. Right? And I'm going to get to that in a second because it's the, the 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 financialization of everything connects all of these different struggles as well. And we as good socialists or communists should be like putting our finger on that and directing people's ire towards those common enemies whose uh, malfeasance is manifesting in our different workplaces, in our different locales, in ways like we've been talking about on the railroads. But just put a pin in that for a second. So like, okay, the question is like, what are people in elected office actually doing to help working people struggle for a better world, for a better life, for more mm -hmm. dignity on the work uh, in, 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 in at work and outside of work. Right. So like I said, 
Have any of these fuckers said anything about the strikers at war met Cole? Have any of them been like on the floor demanding that we drag Howard Schultz's rich ass all the way to D.C. and make him <laughs> answer for the crimes that he and his company are committing day after day? Like what we are watching is a corporate crime wave happening in real mm-hmm. time. Worker organizers at Starbucks across the country are being fired for the flimsiest excuses. They're having their fucking stores close after they unionize like they did in Ithaca, New York like they just did in Seattle. It is happening everywhere. Where the fuck are the elected officials? And, and we already mentioned the National mm. Labor Relations Board, like the, the, the kind of beating heart of the government's ability to aid the labor movement hasn't has it hasn't had its budget raised in a decade because Republicans have been trying to throttle it and Democrats haven't given enough of shit about it to do anything about it. And Jennifer Abruzzo is out here saying we're going to have to start laying people off because we can't keep up with all the unfair labor practices charges that we're getting with all the new union election filings mm-hmm. we're getting. Again, this is this is a way the government can help the labor movement and no one is actually like making this an issue no one is saying we need to fund the nlrb we need more people in there they need to be handling like this stuff you know like uh, uh, uh with as many reinforcements as they possibly can right so like all of these things can and should be done along with supporting the railroads and calling out the corporate malfeasance mm-hmm. of the rail car- carriers yeah jorge sorry yeah no i just mm-hmm. to add on to what you're saying max and i think you know to people who are listening and i think everything you said is right this is why it's two things, and this is true for anybody, either someone who's like ordinary worker who is trying to make it through the day, make sense of things, someone who's interested in forming a union, trying to be involved as an organizer, even if you're interested in running for office. I think there's two things that it's important. One is just understanding the world. I think, I th- I think the things that have happened in the past few years in terms of left populism is really important and should continue happening. But just doing the sloganeering, just doing moral uh, arguments can only get you so far. You need to have an understanding, a structural understanding. Well, why is it that over and over again that capitalists are doing this? It's not because they're just bad people or they hate people. Sometimes they're individually, they're really nice people. That's not the point. The point is, why yeah. is what is this system that makes them that the logical choice for them to continue making money is to act in this way? And mm-hmm. why you should, and by reading theory and by understanding history, can people get closer to that? The second is, and that's why you should listen to our podcast all the time and also give us money. <laughs> yes. Plug, see what you did there. Uh, but the but the second point is is like is really about organization. It's like people who are like you know electeds or people who are or you know atom here in our society we are atomized. And we should always be in an organization. If you're a socialist or a communist, whatever you want to call it, like I don't think you should say that you are unless you are accountable to a collective. Because, mm-hmm. but particularly if you're a socialist elected or a socialist leader, I don't think, and I don't think leader just in terms of office. I think leader just generally. How can you say that you are if you're not accountable to a collective? Mm-hmm. Well, and also it mm-hmm. helps for that collective to have some power, right? Mm-hmm. Because. Uh, Oftentimes, the difference between an elected standing up to capital, standing up to, you know, the ghouls that they're working with from day to day, uh, mama bear or whoever, is, uh, is there a base of working class power 
from which I de- derive my power and my support. 100%. And, you know, unfortunately, we're not quite there yet. DSA's done a lot in the past few years, being as young as it is, but um, really has some work left to do in terms of growing roots, it, either growing its roots into some kind of uh, mass working class organization. I don't know if we want to talk about like more radical kinds of autonomous unions or uh, like, I don't know if DSA is the party. It could be like one partner in a party of parties, but something like that. Um, We don't really have that yet. But speaking of theory, I wanted to ask you uh, and and like all of you guys, uh, what you think about this? Because Okay, so we, like we said, we just read State and Revolution, and uh, Lenin describes the state as basically, I don't know, I don't think this is its only job, but it is a primary reason that the state exists to sort of manage the contradictions between bosses and workers, right? Between labor and capital. It can never actually resolve them, but it has to manage the contradictions to keep things chugging along to keep accumulation going, to keep the economy going. And, you know, sometimes that might mean reining in the worst, craziest, most irresponsible excesses of capital. Sometimes that might mean putting down strikes uh, violently if necessary. Um, But, you know, we're seeing the state sort of try to serve this function in this conflict. But, I don't know. Like, do we see evidence that the state's role here is breaking down in terms of that, uh, you know, the management function? Because even, you know, even if they are able to impose labor peace here, even if they're able to avoid a strike, uh, wildcat or not, uh, people are still not going to work at the, not going to want to work at the fucking railroads. Someday, someday there might not be any workers anymore to do these shitty jobs. Uh, the supply chain is fucked for reasons we talked about earlier. Um, they're charging too much money. Stuff is costing too much money. As a result, uh, people can't get what they need. Uh, the economy is not exactly chugging along. So do we see the state's role as manager breaking down here? And if so, like, what can we do with that? Hmm. No. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's my opinion. opinion. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, my opinion, I think that it's, this is like, it's forcefulness is really just like emphasizing that it's continuing working as intended. I think, oh, yeah. I think, I don't think, I don't think the system is falling apart. I think it's definitely like straining a little bit, but I don't think it's anywhere near like uh, uh, falling apart. I think it's way more. It could still if go. any, if anything, this was a re, this was a reaffirmation of right. like the state's role in not mediating between on the behalf of like you know uh, or between workers and capitalists, but you know actually um, um, uh, uh, on being on the side of capital, right? I mean, like, this is something where, I mean, even me, right, I mean, as a communist and knowing the role of the state, but even being like, God damn, Biden really just came out here and just pushed his contract back on them. If anything, again, that's a reaffirmation of the role of the state. And I mean, there's I only see shit like this happening in the near future. Right. As material conditions worsen, 
right? As the contradictions kind of burst asunder, right? I only see the state is going to intervene. This is just a preview. I think a little prequel of what's going to happen, right? I think at least. Organize, organize, organize. That's the only way you can push through to the other side. So um, I think it's a really uh, fascinating and important question, right? Because um, in a sense, I agree with all of you. I agree that like the system is doing fine. Um, But that's like asking if cancer is growing. (laughs) <laughs> right um the system as a thing as a as a as the circuitry through which capital lives and grows and increases its domination that's fine but like cancer it will kill its host which i think is what you're getting at jamie mm-hmm. um yeah it, whether that is in the form of capitalist wars leading us to nuclear annihilation, capitalist excesses leading us to destroy, um, you know, our, our shared planet to the point of ecological breakdown, right? Or, you know, as we're talking about here, the sort of contradictions. So the state is doing its job to mm. manage the contradictions in the sense of, um, like keep them from keep basically keep like the the working class from rising up and, and changing uh the system right i mean that is why i think we you know we would we would all say it's like well yeah, yeah like because capital is still like you know the 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 wealth of the the people at the top is still increasing the power of the people at the top is still increasing like that just seems to be chugging along and like while wait workers this is some this is like what i talk about every week on my shows like you know workers wages have basically been stagnant for 40 years while workers have been this is not just the railroads workers in this country and around the world have been working longer and harder and producing more value for their bosses and yet what they have been seeing is less of the share of less of the fruits of that productivity it's all been siphoned up to the people at the top and the response that the state has essentially done is um to deregulate as much as possible so that that process continues and uh, ramp up the police state so that, you know, like we prevent mm. workers from actually committing any sort of like, you know, like violent revolutionary act to overthrow the system. Instead, just like a cancer patient, just sit there and wait for the thing to kill you. But I think that what I would say maybe on a hopeful side or it's not even hopeful. It's about. I, I I went to go listen to the great um, nonviolent civil rights like Quaker activist George Lakey, really really mm. fascinating guy. Um, but he had a great uh, uh, like metaphor that he kept using because he was like, you know, people get scared when they hear terms like polarization, or we could even say like the contradictions, right? The dialectic mm. is is the in dialectic. full force right now, right? <laughs> so like that that type of when the dialectic's heating up, it can be very scary because those contradictions are so pronounced, right? And because mm-hmm. the social effects of, you know, those heightened contradictions can be so scary and so unpredictable. But what George Lakey like said was he was like, you know, like it's like that that's a furnace. Right. You Mm. can't bend metal when it's cold. Right. When, you know, like the shit is really like heating up. That is when the future is most malleable. That is when the world is still within our hands to shape. And the thing that I would say, it's not even a question of hope. It's a question of we are approaching a cliff. Are we ready for what's next? Because the people who want to shape the future in the direction that favors them are going to be. And so we're not we're only going to get one shot at this is what I would Mm -hmm. say as things continue 
continue to get worse, as we continue to barrel towards climate catastrophe, as, you know, like, yeah, like the imperialist wars continue to destabilize the geopolitical realm and causing all sorts of like ancillary, like social and, and cultural consequences that we can't predict. What we do know is that there is going to be an opportunity in there. This is the, 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 the decades when you fuck around and weeks mm. when you find out kind of question. Right. And what I would say that I, that I am hearing from the rank and file, um, the workers that I talk to for my book at the real news on breaking points on my podcast, working people, all I can do is tell people that what I find um, like what, what, what I think is like an opportunity that has grown out of like this crisis on the railroads, even as like demoralizing and infuriating as this whole fucking saga has been is, as we said, more working people are realizing it's not like, it's not just them. Like mm-hmm. the, the things that, that we, that we're hearing being described on the railroads is what I'm dealing with at the Dollar General store that I work yep. at, at the hospital that I work at. I already mentioned one warrior met coal. We're talking about coal miners in deep red Alabama who are fighting Wall Street, right? Because who couldn't get time off to see their families who were also subject to draconian attendance policies and unsafe mm-hmm. management decisions, uh, at the behest of Wall Street backers who refuse to, to like go back to the bargaining table regardless mm. of how much money that they lose that's one example another one last year the largest uh, nurses strike in massachusetts state history happened at st vincent hospital which is owned by an investor owned healthcare giant that's located in texas it's called tenant healthcare and they were dealing with the same fucking problems mm-hmm. piling more work onto fewer workers the nurses were complaining that the nurse to patient ratios are unmanageable we can't give the kind of care that we've been trained to give just like engineers and conductors uh, are mm-hmm. telling me like i can't like I have to be awake enough to make like these like consequential calls, um, you know, when I'm driving this yeah. multi-ton three mile long and fucking, I'm a fucking thing. human being, right? I'm a human being. I'm not a robot. I'm not an automaton, right? Yeah. And like you can you can get, you know, like so severely penalized if you are like operating a train drunk. Right. But what Marilee Taylor, uh, a retired BNSF engineer uh, and Railroad Workers United Railroad Workers United activist said is like you you as NASA's studies have shown, you are actually more impaired in your decision making when you are as fatigued as we are than you mm-hmm. would be if you were stone drunk. And so mm-hmm. do you feel safe with these massive trains like whizzing by your children and your house when the person driving it hasn't slept in two fucking days and they're on call three like 24 seven, seven days a week, three, six. 65, like, you know, like mm. that is also the situation that our healthcare workers are in. Talk to Ed, swing a dead cat and you will hit a healthcare worker who is burned the fuck out and who mm. is like, uh, like ready to quit the industry because they feel like they're not being listened to. Um, like look at. The, the, the question of understaffing, right? Like the, the piling work on the, on the more workers. The corporate class tried to hide what they were doing by like pushing this. Oh, the problem is that no one wants to work, right? Mm. The problem is that people are too lazy. They got too lazy, like getting all the government uh, uh, aid during COVID-19. Yeah. But now mm. the veil has been lifted and we've seen, we're looking around. We're hearing workers at Chipotle saying we're being deliberately understaffed. Starbucks workers saying we're being deliberately understaffed. We're begging for more staff and management is under scheduling us so that we're like getting less than 20 hours a week so that we lose our health care because they're retaliating against us 
for union organizing, right? You know, like a dollar generals, like I mentioned, I interviewed a dollar general worker a couple months ago and she's like, yeah, like there's one or two of us in the store. The shelves are a mess and people are shitting in the back aisles. And this is by design because Mm -hmm. dollar general is making record profits right now because they can do that just like the railroads by deliberately understaffing, cutting their operating costs. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, this is what the corporate fucking takeover of everything looks like. This is the ontology of capital at work, right? This is the cancer that we are all currently like living with. And so the question is, is the state going to continue to allow this system to operate as it is? Of course it fucking is. And, And it's going to do what it can to ensure that we don't stop it. Right. But like to Jamie's, um, point, like they're Amazon's already saying at the turnover rate that we are uh, uh, operating at, we're going to run out of uh, able-bodied people to work at these fucking uh, mm-hmm. uh, warehouses, right? Um, the boomers are retiring, Gen and Gen Z is not going to be able to replace all those people. So we're like, there. This is why we're in a tight labor market right now. Mm-hmm. So like, something is going to give. You're either going to run out of jobs, you're going to run out of people. Um, you're going to, uh, a, as I interviewed uh, William Robinson on the Real News Network podcast, you have this crisis of capitalist over accumulation that capitalists can't recirculate back mm-hmm. into the economy, and so they got to find like new ways to like, you know, like r- get that money like moving in the economy right now so like you have an insanely top heavy ruling class that is like buttressing itself in a fortress mentality by building up prisons and police as much as possible trying to distract us with all these political fucking sideshows as much as they can but i do think that more and more working people are waking up that that division between workers and consumers is breaking down because everything is being gobbled up by like five different companies Mm -hmm. and the quality of the products that we rely on the the pop culture is just nothing but nostalgia and reboots. Like everything mm-hmm. is getting worse because it can, mm-hmm. when you capture the market as these fucking capitalist vampires have, and workers are the only ones who are going to be able to do anything to stop it. Okay. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was, that was perfect. That was perfect. And actually um, we want to start wrapping up, but um, I want, that's perfect because it was a lead in to, I guess one question, but I guess two questions um, about the future. Right. Um, one, the immediate future. Um, I mean, the word is like on everybody's lips, man. Wildcat strike, wildcat strike. So, um, I mean, I think, I mean, all of us here, um, not I think, I know all of us here want that to happen. Um, I mean, it's up to them. It's up but, to them, but, you know, it's maybe to, they'll decide it's worth it. Maybe maybe they will. But to ask the question then, um, what do, so is to Jamie's point then about that, what, do we know the attitude among the rank and file? Are they considering a wildcat strike? Um, and... Second question to kind of close out, maybe larger, and you kind of hinted at it, um, Jorge's hinted at it throughout, and you as well have, Max. Um, what is the way forward for U.S. workers who are trying to organize for class power? Um, do they need to run for leadership in pre-existing unions? Because one thing Jorge brought up is the depoliticize and de-radicalize union leadership. Uh, maybe join organizations like the IWW that are fully autonomous from capitalist political parties or a secret third thing. And um, check, I think check out, <laughs> check out the check out the Emergency Workers Organizing Committee or EWOC, which is a joint effort with the Elect- Electricians Association and the DSA Labor Committee. Mm. Like it's a if if you're interested in it's called EWOC. Emergency Workplace Organizing Committee. If you're interested in forming a union very because of something very urgent, 
check it out. And we'll have links Always in the Always with the plugs, this guy. <laughs> this guy. This guy. They're plugs. They're good plugs. Yeah, Ewok rocks. You. Definitely, definitely support Ewok. Um, okay, so you guys have been incredibly generous uh, mm. with, with your time. You've let me and Mel yak on for a lot. So I will try to be brief and and, and I'll be generous. Oh, to you, you, don't, you right. don't. Honestly, I mean, you don't have to because this question is, is a question I would love to hear. I mean, I've heard been hearing your, your opinions and takes on, but this um, I would really, really. I really want to know what you think, Max, because you're you're you have your ear to the ground. And as Jamie said, I think a lot of the times like, you know, um, I know personally I can impose my own desires. Right. Um, Not my own, but I guess what I think would be best for the work. But I'm not a fucking railroad worker. Right. But like, what's the what are they talking about, man? What's the likelihood that they're going to wild catch Drake? So, you know, I would say that. um it's it's kind of the similar a similar situation to what we were in in September, mm-hmm. right? Because I remember like Ryan Grimm asked me a similar question. I was like, well, you know, it's tough because you know by nature of people being people, you're gonna hear from the most disgruntled people, right? Mm-hmm. And so like they're when gonna you're be doing, the loudest, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you're doing this reporting, like you know, like you tend to hear the most uh, radical stuff from the people who have like you know the least shits to give and want mm. to like really you know like let it be known. And so mm. I would say, yeah, I I am hearing from you know workers in different crafts that are like, we need to fucking strike anyway, right? Mm. Um, what I would also say, um, is that. You know, we're talking about a workforce of 115,000 people, right? Mm. And so I would say that by and large, the if I if I had to sort of like try to extrapolate a general vibe, it's exhaustion, right? Because mm. again, already like without this contract fight, we're talking about a beleaguered workforce that is running to the ground that uh, is already dealing with, you know, a catastrophic attrition rate. People are quitting in record numbers or, or becoming refugees in passenger service or stuff like that, foregoing years of accrued seniority and benefits and yada, yada, yada. So workers are already exhausted in the railroads, on the railroads, just like workers in healthcare are fucking mm-hmm. exhausted and at their breaking point. So when you're in that situation, you know, and you've been through a three year long knockdown drag out contract fight and you've gone through these waves of being vilified in the public and then being heralded in the public and then getting close to a strike. But then, oh, the strike is averted now. Oh, shit. A strike is back on the table. Like, that's just a lot emotionally to deal with over such a sustained point of time. And really, I think a lot of folks, when they were voting on the tentative agreement over the past couple months in their respective unions, the vote was really about, do I want to prolong this or, mm. or, or do I just want to get back to work? Right. You know, do I just want this to be over? Right. I think that if you sat down with a lot of folks, that that's kind of what they would tell you is that I'm just tired. I don't think that Congress or Biden is going to, like, let us do anything anyway. Um, And, you know, all the while, like I'm being run into the ground. So hmm. then you add on what happened last week. Because essentially what Congress did, so like, you know, the the two bills passed the House on Wednesday, uh, the sick days, like Bill got, you know, didn't pass the Senate, but the the forcing workers to accept the tentative agreement from September passed the Senate, and then Biden signed it on Friday. Mm. What he essentially did was like, 
uh, it made a strike illegal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, can I ask a question that, real quick? What is that? What is that? So, what is that? Because that's another question that we had since we're talking about it. When you say made a strike illegal, right? Um, I mean, I think the question, the way it was kind of worded, was like sort of like that. Um, um, and I, I would phrase it differently and say that I, I do think actually that like they can bring in i'm assuming like the national guard or the fucking army like they could literally buy gunpoint because essentially that's what you're doing you're through the explicit threat of violence not implicit explicit threat of violence you are ordering them back to work so what is that when you we say illegal what are the consequences if they don't go to work if they strike it's so crazy that they can make a law against striking p.s uh kind of puts the lie to the idea that under capitalism we're all just these uh free agents freely entering into contracts with one another subject only to the impersonal domination of the market but we don't have to talk about that this is like no this feels personal um (laughs) i said that in a tweet but i'm saying it again because i like it yeah and it's true no it, it really does give line and even like a lot of more conservative railroaders i've talked to pointing that out they're like they'll say like this isn't communist china right you know like we have the you know freedom of association yeah, right like we're we're guaranteed like these rights and and like you know who the hell is biden to tell me that i can't that i don't own my labor that i can't withhold mm-hmm. my labor so there, there there's some interesting stuff going on there but i won't go mm-hmm. won't go into it now but um yeah i mean this this is kind of the the question on everyone's minds i will say there is historical precedent to bringing out um the fucking national guard to firing upon railroad strikers um to putting people in prison i you know i think everyone's going to try to avoid that but i think what you would get is like because it's all it's also a question of a workforce that is scattered around terminals and track lines all across the country right so Mm -hmm. there's not going to be one big picket line showdown right Mm -hmm. right now we are seeing that there are some actions at uh terminals around the country there's actually going to be one here in baltimore tomorrow which i'm hoping to to go to and these are things these are like informational pickets that are being organized by rank and file members of of different unions so we'll see what comes of that um but yeah like because of the, the, to, like i was saying before about the railway labor act the reason that the workers and the carriers have to go through all these fucking stages uh is to essentially prevent a strike but if you finally get to the end of that process like we almost did back in september and the government doesn't step in to force um people back to work then what happens is like okay now it is legal for the rail carriers to initiate lockouts or the unions to initiate strikes. And when it is legal, that is when you also like have the reason that we could trigger a national rail shutdown, even if one union votes the to go on strike is because the other 11 unions have clauses in their contracts saying they do, they honor picket lines. Yeah. Right. Um, and so like, yeah, if, if, you know, like the, the I don't know, the signalman like said, OK, fuck it, we're going on strike. That creates a picket line that triggers a national shutdown because suddenly everyone's going to respect that picket line. But yeah. now after what Congress has done, that's not the case. Right. Because now any strike action is illegal. So like it's it's very hard to predict if people would still honor 
those picket lines. Like, I think there's a lot of um, anger and frustration um, that that might be the case. You could at least have a critical mass of people uh, honoring that wildcat picket line as long as it lasted to create a certain mm-hmm. amount of damage. But it really is like, you know, this is what I kind of said on Brown and Joy Gray's podcast. I was like, I think we all want it. But the real in many ways, the question, the answer to that question depends on us. Right. Because Mm -hmm. we are asking railroad workers to take a lot of faith that we will be there for them Mm -hmm. when the police are trying to arrest them, when the company now has um, carte blanche to fire them, to Mm -hmm. to demolish the pension they've been they've been waiting for for years. Right. We are asking them to take a big fucking risk if we are saying wildcat, wildcat, wildcat. Right. What are we going to do to stop the state, to stop these companies when they try to retaliate as they now have kind of the legal uh, uh, like conditions to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's going to happen to be honest with you i don't think it's going to happen hmm. um like there again there we may see like a, an outcropping in, in one terminal or another in one part of the country or another but i don't think we're going to see anything nationwide uh what i think right now a lot of folks are doing is they're saying all right fuck it this contract bargaining session like began three years ago. We are now closer to the beginning of the next contract mm-hmm. bargaining session. We're less than two years away. Mm-hmm. So we are going to get ready for that. Now we are now. going to invest yeah. in rank and file organizing. We are going to get like the stuffy old union leadership out of there. Um, that's where you got guys like Reese Murtaugh, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, or, sorry, not Reese Murtaugh, the fucking, um, uh, uh, fuck. He's a, Reese, really, really cool guy over in mm-hmm. Virginia. You should check him out. Jonah mentioned him on Chapo. I did a live stream with him. Um, but he is with the machinist. He's running for, uh, you know, union election right now because he's like, I've had enough of this. Like, we need Hell new yeah. blood in here. So, like, I think that you're going to see more of that. You're going to see more activity from Railroad Workers United. You're going to see them expanding to build solidarity with workers in other industries. You're going to see these kind of fights for um, union election positions within the 12 unions representing workers on the railroads um but yeah like i i i that's kind of my temperature my sense of the temperature right now it is very it is very easy to tell workers to 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 do a wildcat strike when it doesn't affect you directly you don't have a few mouths to feed i think i appreciate that intervention uh and i think we all do appreciate intervention max and uh, it really comes down to how powerful and organized is the working class to then flout laws that are meant to stop them from organizing, and if they're power, more powerful than the than the laws that are written and the and the the in the arms wing of the state, armed like the police, then can we say that you can start doing such actions? I think it, you know, and I think a lot of you know calling for it is like a very natural reaction, but we have to also be careful that just like the 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 media extracts away from real lives by doing that we also have to remember there are real lives real people have to be put on the line and mm. and other people that are dependent on those people that uh that are affected by this too so we have to be it, it is a very difficult threat to, to absolutely to and, um, and people and, can do stuff like mm. i guess i would say that to other people you don't have to wait like, you know, you could go to a terminal and like, I don't know, hold a picket sign that says fuck Warren Buffett. Right. I mean, yeah. like, like, like I, I guess like it, it, it again, the question depends on what we do now. I'm not saying to be very clear 
to to subvert the will of what workers are actually uh, saying that they want, like the fucking, you know, like I, I don't want any interlopers mm. coming in here saying like we know better than the railroad workers. Mm. So like we're going to do X, Y or Z. Like my message is is always the same. Like listen to what the workers are telling you. Don't be a fucking dick about it. Don't be like, you know, a, a trot asshole. Right. Who's just compared, mm. concerned about your own political agenda than that you're more concerned about that than you are the well-being of the workers that you're trying to win over to your side. Um, but it's not like we all just have to sit back and wait and see what happens, right? I mean, like, we are all part of this. We are all mm. part of this movement. And I think that that is, like, the, the 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 thing that I would want to end on. If we want – because the question would be very different if we were saying, oh, are railroad workers going to go out on a wildcat strike? The answer to that question would be different if we had – 10 times as many people going to yep. these Starbucks picket lines over the past year, right? Mm-hmm. If we had 10 times more people like berating their their elected officials to make, you know, funding the National Labor Relations Board or passing the PRO Act or supporting the Warrior Met Coal workers a real issue, right? Like you know, the more that we build that support because we've already seen it. Right. We already Mm. saw it after it's a year ago that the Buffalo Starbucks won its election. And every Starbucks worker I've talked to across the country said, when we saw that, we thought, why not us? Right. And and when 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 even when the workers in Amazon and Bessemer were fighting their fight and they lost a lot of workers that I've talked to after that have said, when we saw those workers taking on the fucking second richest man in the world, second largest private employer in the country, we thought, why not us, right? So, like, you can't predict, uh, like, the ripple effect that our courage and our solidarity is going to have. This is the answer to the to the other question that you asked, Aaron, is like, what do we do now? Like, right? It's like, <laughs> like, what is the right answer? What's the right pathway? I guess I would say all of it. At this point, we need all of it because we are playing so far behind. I don't necessarily buy the like, well, if we commit energy there, we're not mm. committing it there. Right now, the bosses are winning everything, right? And, so and they're not holding back any punches at all. They're not. And so, like, I, I, I see my role in this, like, my tiny role in this larger, like, sort of movement is just to encourage people to feel like they have the power to make the world over again, right? That they deserve more than what this world tells them they are worth, that they don't have to take the shit that their boss gives them at work. Like, that's another thing that, like, the corporatization that I'm talking about here, Mm. it's not just, like, capitalists, like, extracting money. What that looks like for so many people, as workers have described to me, is, like, changing relationships with management um, mm. and and people treating you like a fucking insect and talking to you like a piece of shit. Uh, one rail dispatcher that I just interviewed on Sunday was talking about how a guy committed suicide in his office earlier this year. Jesus right. I mean, Christ. like the, 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 the dehumanization seeps in so much that eventually we start to believe that we are worth as little as this system tells us that we and, are. And we, and- and we and we and you know I just want to just want to end that we can't we have to reject that sort of like conditioning man we have to reject this feeling of inevitability you know and um and we we could we could go on talking about this for fucking hours man um but but Max thank you so much and Mel too who's not here anymore um thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this like we thank always you. say we're gonna do like an hour an hour and ten minutes <laughs> but then we end up especially something like this we end up talking for two and a half hours but um. Um, where, where can people find you at Max and what are you working on now? What can people check out, um, from you? Oh man. Yeah. 
thank you again, you guys, for for having me and Mel on, for taking interest in the story. Really appreciate it. And yeah, to everyone listening, I hope at least the two and a half hours was, if if nothing else, cathartic. I hope mm. that, <laughs> I hope that the conversation was it was, was for useful. me. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I really, it's me too, and I appreciate it. And and I would just say, um, yeah, you guys can find me. Uh, on Twitter, as long as it's around at Maximilian underscore ALV, that's two L's in Maximilian. Uh, please follow the, the real news network, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, please donate because we, we don't take corporate cash. We don't do Mm -hmm. ads. It's all viewer supported. So all the work that we've been doing to cover this shit on the railroads and beyond, you know, all the stories that we cover over the year, like that's all viewer supported. So we need your guys' support. Please follow Mel. Um, what I'm working on, like, yeah, just, just like, again, like I really see like my role as just doing it, talking to as many people as I can, trying to remind as many people as I can that they are beautiful. They are valuable. They deserve more than this. And in fact, we have it within our power to take more and to take power back and to make the world over again. The last thing I'll say, man, is that, um, you know, uh, history is the struggle of self-determination of working people. Right. And therefore it doesn't matter how bad shit gets. Uh, history doesn't end. Right. And, um, Thank you again um, so much, Max. And you guys can follow Max on Twitter. And also, we'll have Mel's um, um, handle. You can follow her on Twitter and check out what else she's doing. And um, thank you so much again, brother. It's been a long time coming. But if we were going to finally have uh, a sit down and have a discussion, um, I'm happy it was about this, man. Thank you so much again. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Super fun. Let's do it again. And until next time. Do the striking. Do do the do the solidarity. Do the do do the solidarity. Do the solidarity. Support Do the organizing. Do the organizing. Right. Fuck yeah, Jorge. Actually, do the organizing. Fuck all that shit. Do the organizing. All right, guys. All of the above. Riding on the city of New Orleans, Illinois Central, Monday morning. Fifteen cars and fifteen restless riders Three conductors, twenty-five sacks of mail All along the southbound Odyssey The train pulls out at Kankakee And rolls along past houses, farms and fields Passing trains that have no Yards full of old black men and the graveyards of the rusted automobiles. Good morning, America, how are you? Said, don't you know me? 